I'm David Kenny, and this is Sanity Check. In 25 years of business, I know that hiring people, launching products, allocating capital, selling and managing yourself is no mean feat. We don't tell you what to do. Instead, we put you in front of the right people, ask them the right questions so that you can find the answers you need. We are here for you. It's time to Sanity Check. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sanity Check. You're listening to part two of our chat with Laura Chuck, human resources business extraordinaire. Look, I'm not going to lie, you've come right back into the middle of the thick of the action. And me and Laura just having a bit of a giggle, but we do get down to business and I hope you thoroughly enjoy this episode as much as I do. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into the episode. Although, moving back from the uh, US to Australia, that's not much fun, you know. And, uh... Well, I have to say, actually, on that subject, that's a really important thing to say. And, and something I've seen since I've been back here in Australia is you can't compare US salaries with Australian salaries, right? Anyone that comes back from the US has to understand that they're going to take a significant pay cut. Right, doesn't matter what how strong the, the US dollar is or not, it's a significant step change. Um, and it, it just can't be compared. I've I've had this situation a few times and obviously I've been in it myself, but it's it's very different here. Yeah. Well, and look, I mean there's less people, it's competitive, but there's some great people in Australia. There's some amazing people that uh like world class in so many fields, so no doubt. Agree. You know, maybe we are underpaid, Laura. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Everyone wants an extra zero on their salary, David. They do. It's uh, it's it's standard. It's what I it's what I get to hear about all the time. Yeah. So HR is not that sort of place anymore that we all hear and go, HR. Uh oh, we're in trouble. Uh, it's uh, we're we're developing and we're helping people get rich and we're helping people align their goals. One thing like HR that I'm trying to make different is, you know, when I first started, I I did a listening tour and uh, I wanted to actually go out and make genuine relationships with each and every employee and ask them three, three simple questions. And that has built such strong bonds of trust. You know, I think they sometimes get an invite from HR and they're like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. So, you know, to start off with, I had to you know, put an invite in and say, hey, you're not in trouble. It's just I need to catch up with you on something, right? So I'm trying to I'm trying to change that perception because I hate that perception with passion. I can't imagine you angry, Laura. <laughs> I'm I'm very passionate, David. <laughs> I know that. I've never seen you angry. <laughs> I digress. Can we talk a little bit about something you, you touched on earlier, which is OKRs? Can you explain those a little bit in English? And, you know, because we've got some pretty smart people on this podcast listening, how does Laura's mind turn to unlocking the value of OKRs? So objective and key result areas, I think, are absolutely critical. So, you know, companies pivot all the time and we need to pivot those OKRs and employees need to be open to that pivoting, especially in, you know, high-paced tech environments. Um, So what your OKRs might be one quarter might be completely different the next quarter, depending on where the stage of the business is. But, you know, having an overarching objective for a whole team to work towards is is similar to your mission and vision in a way. 
Um, and then having those key result areas. So let's say one of, you know, an objective of it might be hire, you know, 70 people. Um, and, you know, it's like I want to get to at least 95% of hiring of those 70 people, which is a stretchy target, right? You need to make these stretchy. You need to make these ambitious, motivating um, and, you know, it's interesting, like my, my team will come and say, oh, my God, we're so close to hitting our OKRs. And that's kind of what I want. That's the purpose of it is they, they know what they're striving towards. But you also need to do that without, um, you know, uh, the quality is equally important of those OKRs, I think. So, you know, objectives, what are the, what are the key result areas? So what are the things that are going to get you to that overarching objective? And, and laying that out for your team and, and them having their own OKRs puts us all on the journey together. Like we talked about the journey at the beginning of this, David, and it's it's part of the journey that keeps the, the train on the tracks heading in the right direction. Um, so that's why I think they are really critical to any organisation. Happy customers paying us money on a regular basis and having our ambassadors, our internal team, our staff, making that possible. Yeah. I mean, I remember working with your assistant to set this up. She was an absolute delight and made me want to do this session even more. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's every little touch point that makes a difference well done, in, in any business. <laughs> Madison, well done. You stayed on me. You, you kept me, you kept me honest. Oh, she was so just not were... letting you off the hook, Laura Chuck. <laughs> no, I know. I appreciate that. And I need a few prods sometimes to do something extracurricular like this, but I do believe that these types of things are, are, are really important. Yeah. Well, you didn't want to stand up a one-on-one, did you? <laughs> I, I don't. I might shorten it, but I don't. I, I, I learned that because I had a leader that did always cancel one-on-ones and I'm like, you just lost all credibility for me. Like I have no respect for you. That's a key takeaway. Because you, you, you don't show up when I need you to. And it's okay. I, I sort of think one-on-ones are employee-driven, right? Like the managers will like set them up and show up but if an employee doesn't want them as long as that employee is actually performing that's okay right but I I every one-on-one with with my manager I get something out of it so that means it's it's worthwhile for me and when you're working in a rapidly changing and growing organization being on the pulse of anything that's changing will help your wider team and help your the business that you're supporting and I think you know, putting that business that I'm supporting first every single time and understanding what they're doing and trying to align HR objectives to it are the, are the most important uh, part of my role. 100%. I remember talking to one of our earlier guests and he said, he's, in fact, he's a, a football coach and he said, people do not care about you or what you know until they know how much you know about what they know and how much you care about what they know. So uh, I probably slightly stuffed that quote up, but people are not going to care about you until they know you care about them. And as much as it's hard work, you expect that in return. You expect that investment and you've got to go on the journey with someone. You're not going to say you're on your own. You're not doing this by yourself. We're actually investing in you, giving you what you need helping build your capacity, your capability, your resilience. And look, I don't know another way of doing that without hard work. 
And I, and I think just to add to that, you want to do that in good times and bad. You know, we've just been through as a HR people function, the hardest year of our, of my entire career with COVID, right? And you've got things like mental health that are at the forefront. And I've been trained as a, as a mental health first aider, right? So even if people are having a hard time, that's actually when you need to be there the most. It's not always in good times. It's a little like a a marriage, right? And I believe that checking in with people and, and leaders and employees on a regular basis along their journey is super important as well. Is there really a secret source for getting the best out of employees other than caring about them, setting the goals, listening? Have we missed anything out there? Is there one last thing or? I, I think, you know, a couple of things that are important to me, employee experience is super important, you know, from day one all the way through is something that should constantly be on a, on a leader, on a people professional's mind, um, no matter where these employees are in their life cycle. Like they might have been employee number two or they might have only started last week. Like how are they tracking? Um, so employee, employee experience I think is one. And I, and I think another one I like to do is uh, surprise and delight, right, when people – least expect something but totally deserve it surprise and delight your team it might be something really small like a post-it note on their computer saying they did a really great job in a presentation today or um, you know a high five in the kitchen or like it doesn't matter what it necessarily is it can be tiny but just surprising and delighting people whenever you can with with your energy I think goes a long way because what I hope comes out of this is they go home going, A, Laura cares about me, B, I'm valued, C, I'm going to work harder for this reason because of, of A and B. Um, and I think you've got to have a HR person that's a real people person. I love people more than anything else. Um, there's, there's nothing more I love than meeting new people, getting to know new people. Um, and, you know, uh, it was actually at Hall Chadwick where I interviewed my very first person and I realised that HR was the right place for me because I like people and I like getting to know people. And uh, that's what brought me here. So, David, you know, kudos to you and, and your team there for, you know, helping me build my career and uh, where I am today. So giving me the opportunity and taking a risk on me. Oh, well, that was always, uh, it was always something I knew was um, the right thing to do by you, Laura. You're, you were always amazing. Who, who knew I'd go from bankruptcy team to um, being in HR? Like that also proves like you can start somewhere and pivot to other places as well. And I think that's, that's really important. Yeah, you can see you learn by examples and so speaking of examples reporting into things like CEOs and looking at you know maybe you can talk about the feel of an organization because the leaders do shape the culture the feel of the organization and how much influence can you have on that as the mirror almost I'm using a a metaphor or or a motif here uh, on your role to some degree is that mirror for people to see what's going on in their own organisation. So I, I think, you know, HR always has to set the example. So, you know, being present in the office is really important, being accessible, being approachable, talking to the team. But I think equally, every leader in the organisation needs to do the same thing, right? Walking the floor on a regular basis. I put time in my calendar to actually 
walk the floor and I encourage leaders to do that as well. Um, just so that there is those touch points of, of things that come up throughout the week that they can then have access. I, I also think that like team building and being open to feedback. So like I get feedback on a regular basis from the team and then I try and pivot and that could be giving the leadership team feedback that they don't necessarily realize or they don't necessarily know to be able to pivot to having a better open culture. Um, which is really critical. I've heard it said before that, look, we just want the truth. and Yeah, no bullshit. The no bullshit policy, start with the problem and get to the truth. And if you can do that in a way that people don't feel like they're threatened and that they're actively part of the solution and you can then look back and say, you were able to help me move the needle here. You made the difference on the team when you did that. That's really uplifting and it develops their confidence and their competence loop. And if you can get those things right, it, it just leads to an, an amazing organisational change or cultural change. It's all very well to walk into an organisation that's doing well, but maybe have you walked into groups that you've thought, and I'm not encouraging people to switch to your uh, LinkedIn profile, but um, can you share something that might have been when you walked in wrong and and how do you fix something that's not going right? Yeah, I yeah, I have. I um, you know, I think one thing that's really important in any culture is like having all hands meetings with employees and, and communicating on a regular basis. Um, and I remember one company I went to that that did this and I just started and um, there were so many things that could be improved, right? It was uh, the All Hands presentation was a very metrics-heavy presentation. It wasn't actually like celebrating new hires or employees. It was only leaders talking at this. It wasn't, you know, getting the employees involved in, in having an opportunity to have exposure. So, you know, I, I, I went to this leader and, and had a, a really good conversation of like, hey, that was a really informative session. However, you know, you kind of lost my engagement about 20 minutes in because, you know, numbers really aren't, you know, everyone's jive. Um, they might be yours, David, but they're not everyone's. Um, and how, how can we make this more engaging and more, you know, two-way communication and participation? How can we get them more involved so that they have actually more takeaways afterwards that resonate with them in the right way? And this leader was, like, actually really open to it. I think he just got into this stage of doing it the same way all the time and didn't think about doing it differently. Um, But over a year period, we completely changed it step by step. And, you know, we started bringing donuts in at the beginning of the session so people would get there early and, you know, we'd start getting feedback afterwards and we'd look at that feedback and integrate it into the next one as best we could. We'd get guest speakers. We just made it so much more engaging. And uh, the engagement scores of that team in the employee survey actually went up because they, they felt a little bit more of a part of a team and they felt more appreciated and, uh, you know, it, it made a, a big difference. So, there's a lot of little things we can do to make a big impact. Yeah, it's just listening to people and caring about them hard. 
and it's amazing what happens if you do that. And you know, you've seen it in action, and you've you've been part of that solution, which is amazing. You touched on you could look at it as the the toughest event of our lives, or you could also maybe even look at it as a a world's first motivational work from home team building exercise. I mean, it's been it's been a, a test. It's been like the biggest beta test of if we can work from home or not. And look, we've passed the test. There's no doubt about it. We we have passed the test as humans, and we should be proud of that. What are we gonna? What do you think? I mean, you're 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 in this uh, inner sanctum and all these amazing HR people. And what do you what do you think the future of work is going to be? So I think we all know that flexibility has become a key factor for employees. Uh, more flexibility than, than ever before. And, you know, I like, I like walking my dog in the morning or taking her to the park. It's a good start to my day, right? And uh, I'm still at my desk at, at 8.30 in the morning. It doesn't really make a difference. Um, so, but I think, I think it depends on, you know, where your company is headquartered, what their belief is. Um, and I think in a global company, you've got to think about consistency and fairness. And that's where this one gets really, really hard from a HR people perspective of, because, you know, every region is in a different position right now. And Australia luckily is in one of the best positions. Uh, I think it's going to be flexibility. And I think flexibility will depend on the organization you work for and what their culture is. Yeah. Great point. So Laura, what do you think the right balance is between sales and obviously optimizing for that and ethics in an organization? David, I think it's a, it's similar to the how and the what in any any job in any organization. Um, they are equally as important, equally as impactful. Um, to me, you know, if anything, the how you do something is actually way more important to the what. Some people would challenge that because you still want to be performing at your highest level. But if you don't get that how right, that ethics right, your culture will struggle later. Because, you know, if you don't demonstrate the ethics and uphold the ethics, it can cause to big challenges uh, down the road. So I'm you know, a really big believer and, you know, I, I, I think I sanity check everyone I work on this. That's even like one of my interview questions sometimes is uh, what is your belief on ethics versus sales? Because that gives me a perspective of how this person would deal with something if it wasn't ethical. Um, and that will t- set the tone for the culture of the company uh, in the future. So, to me, equally as important, but then I am a little biased. I'll call out my own bias because I am HR and I work with an ethics team quite regularly. So um, that's my perspective, though. Really, really critical. Love that. You started out well, Laura. You haven't haven't disappointed. <laughs> and let, I'm sure you've been influenced. So that's uh, that's amazing. Oh, I've seen some bad ethics in my time. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's you got to got, get to that stuff early and shut it down. <laughs> you do. You don't want any bad people in the huddle. So maybe my second last question is something that I'm testing myself, which is I think the key thing with the amount of people that you have influenced and managed is the, the power of delegation or the unlocking the the perfect way to 
delegate rather than abrogate responsibility. And I'm going to tell you my theory, which is to, and I'm borrowing this from something that I have applied in football, which is the five W's. (laughs) If I get that level of communication right, the whole team goes, ah, I can do that. I can get on with it. It's all, these are smart goals that, that I've set for the team. So, you know, with all of your wisdom, is there anything you might be able to share with us on delegation? I really get to know my team really well uh, from the get-go and I understand what their their passions are, their desires are to be in a year, two years' time and, you know, even what their hobbies are outside of work. And I then from there uh, try and align any projects to what my employees might be passionate about is the key driver for me. Um, so think about what they're passionate about as often as I can. And, and it's not always, right? You, you also have to delegate things that they're not passionate about or that they, they might not get inspiration from, but then it's balancing the two, I believe, right? Because we you know, everyone has something in their role that they don't like, right? Not everything is completely perfect. But that's, that's always my thinking when I think, okay, we need a project around employer brand. We need to do some profiles on employees and and put them on LinkedIn to make our profile and our brand what it is, which is great, actually. Who would like to do that? Like, who's passionate about doing these types of things? And I'd be like, okay, this person is is the way I roll. It might be a little simpler than the average, but uh, it tends tends to work and they get very excited about it and... uh, very clear on on timestamps and expectations of quality and, and, and things like that. That's how I approach these things. I love it. So the very last question is the sanity check question that we ask everybody. Laura Chuck, if you lost it all tomorrow, only using the skills that you have, what would you do differently or going forward? I would do like some volunteering. I, I would like to do uh, unpaid work. Um, and give back to the community, like working with the salvos or, you know, uh, animal rights type uh, organisations. That's, you know, that's where I think I could make an impact and, and feel really satisfied at the end of the day. Let me just say, Laura, you've been an absolute delight and you have been a wealth and font of knowledge in this super critical area, which is... HR, you're the, the people whisperer. Um, I've loved catching up. It's been so good seeing you. And thank you so much for these amazing pearls of wisdom you've shared with the Sanity Check audience. Thank you so much. David, it was awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I did. But hey, it's not about me. If you found it helpful, we're only warming up. So if you've got a friend or a colleague who you think needs a Sanity Check, Do them a solid and share this with them. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could give it a review. This will help us reach more people and make sure we get it right for you. I'm David Kenny, and I'll be back in your ears next week for another Sanity Check and done.